Hello and welcome to another edition of Protect Your Neck in association with Spitball and Pod. Not done one of these for a while, but as promised, we do have the year-end awards as we always do. Uh, I won't tell you the date because I'm not too sure what date I'll be releasing this. But um, just know it's before the end of the year, so we'll wish you a happy new year. Right now, I'm joined by Rory Ford, as always, and uh, we'll get straight into it, Rory. Um, Fighter of the year, if we start with uh, the men, there can only be one winner, can there not? Well, I put down three names for this one. Um, But I think... Coming out, so I had the three I wrote down were Kamara Usman off the back of uh, Tico Akeo and a decision over Burns, Masvidal and Covington. Uh, Cyril Garn after two decisions and a Tico v Lewis. But my actual winner was Charles Oliveira after a Tico v Chandler and a submission v Poirier. Okay, I don't, I don't hate the call there. I, I went with Usman. I can okay. I um, did give Oliveira the, the credit, Stevenson. The only thing that sort of swayed it from... Usman to Oliveira was the fact that two of Usman's wins were rematches. So, not that that should ever be held against anyone because, you know, you could lose the first and win the second and then probably looks a bit more impressive. Um, the TKO v Burns, obviously very easy win. Dropped him in the end with a jab. The KO v Masvidal put into, you know, put into bed. You got any... early on. I remember I think we were both relying on Usman for a win that evening and then he got rocked within about 30 seconds and yeah yeah he weathered the storm never really looked like in, in trouble and when he sort of started finding the range with the jab the fight kind of looked like it was only ever going one way I mean the KO against Masvidal as I say put to bed any doubts about the first fight and then again the decision for Covington um, yeah it was, it was obviously a, a good performance um, he sort of read some people on Twitter think that it was probably a bit closer than uh, 49.46 yeah. forget um, but I don't know yeah when I when I first sort of sat down to, to do my thoughts on the year Usman probably would have been up there but then I just kind of I ended up coming down on Oliveira just because the comeback win against Chandler and I suppose to a certain extent a comeback win against Poirier as yeah. well they were both two very good performances and two totally different performances, as in one, yeah. he sat Chandler down with, with the lovely check left hook and then the submission against Poirier. I, I just edged towards him just on the basis that he took out two people that at the start of the year people would have been saying would have probably yeah. been uh, beating him quite comfortably. Yeah, I've, I've picked against him both times. My my notes for um, Usman, I've got uh, made Gilbert Burns cry, Slump Street Judas, Humbled Colby, pretty good year for Usman all around. I, I guess what may go against him and plays into what you said about um, Oliveira is is kind of what we expect from him at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's probably true. Um, I suppose just coming from a a completely not looking at anything they've done before, you would probably, as you say, pick Usman, but. I just kind of thought, as well, the lightweight division was waiting for somebody to kind of take it over after Khabib had gone. And now I think we firmly got, um, you know, the number one guy and then Gaethje or whoever else is next in line, um, you know, is going to come and, and have a go. But we've got a proper champion now. Um, and at the start of the year, it kind of looked like the division might chop and change and, and you know, go a few different ways. But, I think Oliveira's had, in the end, two very conclusive finishes against two of the better guys in the division. It's been quite freaky with Oliveira. It's probably in the same bracket as um, Jan Blahovic becoming champion mm-hmm. in the fact that it's a guy that, if anyone said they had him down as championship material, they're lying. Because yeah. there was no indication. And we keep hearing about this insane win streak he's on. And I've said about this um, on a standard episode of the podcast. You look at some of those guys and about six of them weren't even ranked. They were just, yeah. they were all in on the idea of him breaking the submission record and they were giving him guys who were shooting on him who had no business in shooting on him and he was yeah. collecting necks for a good year. Um, the win against Chandler, yeah, again, I, I, I thought 
Chandler would be able to keep the fight standing and then I thought his power would tell, which it nearly did in the first round. Mm-hmm. And then the second time mm-hmm. around, I said to TK that he probably should stop mentioning it after what he did against Chandler, but he just gets labelled with the fact that you basically need to put some pressure on him and he's going to skew it. And yeah, the th- pressure he faced against Dustin, I-, I won't be calling him a quitter anymore. I think it's very unfair for a guy who's now not lost in four years to be labelled a quitter. Just on the basis things, though, that, that just like it's, it's we'll not when you stick. gas out in a fight. You from now yeah. on, you're constantly going to go. Oh, his gas tank is a bit. Yeah, I, I I think it's unfair now when he's beaten some of the very durable guys he's beaten. I mean. Not so much now, but you look back to sort of 2018, he beat Clay Guida. 2018, he beat Jim Miller. They're guys that don't ever seem to go away. Um, you know, against some of, obviously, the better competition. Ferguson, he, he made look silly, but I suppose Ferguson's on the decline. I, I forget and that it, fight happened constantly. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it was it was a very one-sided fight. Um, but it's it was one of those... It's now, isn't it? Just yeah, the tap. yeah, that was, that was ridiculous, really, but... Um, it was kind of one of those you was you almost half expected it to, to go, um, the, the break, I mean, on the arm. Um, I mean, Ferguson was still a heavy favourite coming into that fight, but obviously since we've probably seen that that is what is going to happen now against anybody who's got a decent top game. I want to see him in the trenches with Gaethje. Oliver, uh, if, if, yeah. Yeah, if we don't get a third round in that fight, I'll be disappointed. I'm, if Gaethje wins, I won't be, but... If yeah, that, we will miss it. We'll have so many unanswered questions if we don't see a, a round three, four in that fight. Yeah, but then at the same time, if Oliveira comes and just chokes him out in the second round, well, yeah, we haven't really got any complaints have we? in that one. Uh, I actually, I wouldn't be surprised if Oliveira knocks him out. To be honest, the the way his hands are looking and with yeah, I mean his standards are getting better and better. To tag gate to yeah, it's freakish. The um the the. The knees on the inside against Poirier was something yeah, that I, I wasn't expecting. Um, no. and he just he just looks... It's, it's weird for a guy that's stepping up or did step up. He looks very long now in the division, but I think that's just because he seems to have gotten um, his stand-up so much better that, that yeah. when he is even at range, you're not so concerned as you probably should be for a guy who's come up, uh, come up the weight class. Um, when it comes to the female fighter of the year, Honestly, I kind of discredited Oliveira when I asked the first time around if there could only be one winner. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone outside of Nama Yunus who you'd be willing to say? And I'm on the record, yeah. I'm not a fan of hers at all, but I didn't really feel there was any competition. Yeah, I, I mean, I wrote down people just for the sake of writing down people. I suppose Rose Nama Yunus probably gets the vote, but after what we saw at the weekend, I suppose Juliana Pena has to be given a shout given that she had the win yeah. over Sarah McMahon yeah. at the start of the year and then obviously beat Nunes. Outside of probably the top level, I gave uh, Mariana Rodriguez a shout okay. just on the basis that she had um, two main events, two wins. Yeah. Um, the TKO against Rebus at the start of the year, um, off the back of coming off, I think it was a loss to Carla Esparza, maybe, um, in what was her first loss for, um, you know, in the UFC. So I gave her a mention, but yeah, probably would, would have to go um, to Rose or, or Pena. Anyone um, mentioning Valentino's off their head beat Andrade, who had no business being at the weight. Yeah. Um, beat it by wrestling. I guess it is the way you should do it, but still, it's 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 not getting anyone out of their seat. And then Lauren Murphy. And I, I don't understand why people are still trying to push the kind of idea that Valentina is this kind of must-watch, exciting yeah. fighter that we should be yeah. appreciating. She is one of the most boring people in the UFC, and this is from someone who was championing her cause right up until essentially um, she won the flyweight belt because it was just I mean they made they made a belt hoping that Paige Van Zandt could be what they hoped she'd be, and if not, then it separated Nunes and uh, Shevchenko, and it gave them a reason to do an ultimate fighter season, but. There, there are torture methods that are more pleasant than having to watch that win that she had over Liz Carmouche. It's... Yeah, it's um the the problem is is, is you know we'll probably keep saying this until we're grey haired, but the the divisions just aren't strong enough to to really give Valentina probably the credit she deserves. It 
if she was, the thing you is, know, when I it's like that, you're supposed to just run through him. Yeah, but I mean, as an argument to say, she does win most fights fairly comfortably. She probably wins nearly every round. She puts quite a few people away. Is comfortably really... enough, though? Well, yeah, but I don't really know what more she can do. Um, she should yeah. be Jessica eyeing half of the people she fights. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, mean, I just get, I get the point you're making, but at the same time, why, why on earth should she just go out there and just stand in the middle and try and KO people time and time again if she's got sensible routes to victory? She's probably got the best grappling in the division, you know, of the top level and probably the best striking. So, you know, I suppose it's refreshing to see somebody who's able to do it all, albeit against probably vastly inferior opposition. There were people saying that she should be headlining pay-per-views previously. Um, I know there was the call to headline over Cejudo and Marais, and there was another one when it was... Uh, I think there were people saying it before um, Volkanovski and Ortega, and it's like... Yeah, I, I guess... The, at the, the moment, if you're in the arena, you're going to get a drink while she fights. <laughs> yeah, that's quite unfair, but I get what you mean. On the list of fights, I mean, if you're on the pay-per-view card, the way the way she's positioned on that card, that's probably the one where if the main event is Volkanovski or Tega, you're making sure you've got your drink or you've had a piss or whatever. Yeah. And you're yeah. feeling less guilty about sacrificing that fight. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. So you mentioned him in uh, Fighter of the Year. I took down um, Cyril Garn as my breakthrough fighter of the year. Um, um, yeah, he was one of the names I had I had written down, which was... Um, I guess I suppose I should have probably said this at the time when we did the uh, 2020 roundup. But afterwards, we but I messaged you to say, give me a controversial pick for the year ahead. Now, I'm yeah. not sure if you want me to, to give yours on air because it was fairly horrific now looking back. I can't remember what it was. It was Max Holloway not to win a fight in 2021. Oh, blimey. Okay, yeah. Uh, mine was Cyril Garn to be UFC champion by the end of 2021. Now, I feel like I've been somewhat robbed because he's interim champion. Now, you said he probably won't get a shot, which, okay, yeah, fair enough. But I was quite I was quite impressed with him sort of looking from back, but just, just because he's somewhat different so he ended what we've the year, got. He ended last year beating JDS. Yeah, off, yeah, off the back of not having much activity for... for um, I don't think he had another fight in 2020. But just, just off... What you see in terms of he is totally different to to Rosenstrike or Derek Lewis or even Ngannou when we were looking at the at the start of um, 2021, they're all planting their feet, try and KO you, whereas he's looking like he's going to put volume together before putting you away. I just I thought he was something a bit refreshing for the heavyweight division. I mean, I guess I that's not what heavyweight meant to be, wants but to be like that. He just he's just somewhere in the middle, I think. Yeah, I don't think he's quite. I suppose he's probably not got the, the ability to move quite like Cyril Garn has. Um, I guess other breakout fighters I, I sort of had written down was Islam Mahachev, purely yeah. on the basis that he had 18 months out and now he's come back with three submission wins over pretty decent guys, Drew Dober, Diago Moises and, and Dan Hooker. And then somebody slightly further down, maybe what the card would be, would be... Um, I'm struggling to pronounce his first first name, but Matez Gamrot. Yeah, yeah. Lost After his UFC the, debut as well. Yeah, he, yeah, he, exactly. He lost, but then since since having um, the loss, he's had two two performance of the night awards and a KO over Scott Holtzman, a submission over Jeremy Stevens, and a TKO over hey, Carlos Fajeda. So um, three again, three finishes, two performances of the night. Maybe a guy who's not going to be quite so high on as many people's. Um, sort of shortlist, but he was one that I thought deserved an honourable mention. I mean, you can't Stevens do much more than... And Holtzman are two of the biggest bastards in the UFC as well, so he's <laughs> doing the Lord's work with uh, yeah, yeah. two of them. Yeah. Garn's year... Sorry. Yeah, go on. I, I was just going to... Oh, yeah. No, go on. I'll say after. I was going to say, beat Rosenstrike by decision to start the year. Um then beat Volkov by decision and he was getting the title plaudits while also taking some critique in the fact that people were saying that 
Francis Ngannou's the guy that we're all getting behind. He, he, he kind of knocks people's souls out of their body. And then you've got <laughs> Garn, who we can appreciate what he's doing, but he's probably not the type of guy who we want to tune in and see at five o'clock in the morning over here. Yeah. And then Derek Lewis, I guess, is like the perfect canvas to paint your picture on if you want to style yeah. on someone. And his style against Derek Lewis's style is like a match made in hell. Yeah. Um, and so to go from oh, where for, he was, and I think, what would he have been, like, seven or eighth ranked, do you reckon, after he beat JDS? I don't really think he was that high. I don't think. So yeah, maybe, 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 but... So um, now it's a pick-and-fight with the bookmakers um, before he's fighting in Garnet. Yeah, um, I've actually UFC... seen him priced up as favourite in a couple of places, which I was really surprised at. I personally UFC... think he'll win, but... UFC Brath are desperate for him to win, um, and Garnet is fighting out his contract with this fight yeah. um, so they're desperate for um, yeah I think Ngannou's yeah. been a bit of a dick by all accounts lately and sort of oh, just kicking up a I'm bit usually, of a fuss but... some of the things that he's been like critiqued for was like uh, so he beat Miocic and then they were threatening to strip him because he didn't want to agree to a fight within a month while he'd flown back to Africa yeah, I get that. that, and that they were pressuring him, and then there was the thing that we were speaking about, and it was on one of the um, broad, one of the first broadcasts after that, where he'd obviously put on some weight outside of camp, like every fighter does. Mm. And then he told DC how much he weighed, wasn't it? I remember saying to you, and then yeah, I do remember. On the that, like, yeah, say how much he weighs, and it's like this. There's a reason he hasn't told you this, like say go on put it on the airways because it's yeah, a bad but... look when you're standing off for a fight and then they blurred out oh he's upwards of 300 pounds at the moment yeah and... but I guess for me I couldn't care what he weighs out of camp as long as he shows up no but I'm saying the UFC brass they were they were just totting things up as a reason yeah, to yeah. I, I think yeah. the UFC tried this with Stipe and then Stipe was pretty upfront with them that do what you want to do I'm not going to be bowing down to anything that you're insisting on and then yeah. took the time out and he was fighting about once a year and Garnu's been very active since he joined the UFC well like, I mean it's easy to be active when you're wiping people out and around yeah so, so I mean when he's just beaten Miocic which there was a lot of pressure going into that to want two three months off before you book a fight again isn't the most unreasonable thing <laughs> and so I think when Dana starts saying you're unreasonable it usually just means you know your worth and you're willing to do some negotiations. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I suppose getting back to the topic, I actually landed on Islam for my breakthrough fighter of the year. Okay. I guess that's bad because I suppose breakthrough, is he really breakthrough? But I just did it off the back of him being out for 18 months and getting the three finishes. My criticism with Garm was the first two fights, albeit I'm a big fan, I never mind watching somebody outpoint somebody. For the wider public, it was probably not the most exciting fight. No, he looks um, like he doesn't go through the gears. It looks like he's more than happy to cruise control. Yeah, exactly. But I, I suppose this kind of goes back to what I said about Shevchenko, but I don't mind people doing that. I get the reasons as to why you would do that. Um, yeah, I think it's slightly different with him doing it compared to Shevchenko when if he doesn't do that, there is a very real chance that Rosenstrike can take his head off, as Oberyn yeah. can point out. Yeah, that's true. Shevchenko isn't in that level of danger when she's when she's facing Liz Carmouche. Yeah, I get your point. Yeah, I get your point. Um, tricky one here. Um, give me your fight of the year. You'll realise that for quite a lot of these categories, I haven't actually written one down. Um, my fight of the year, I'm going to give to um, Jan V. Sandhagen from UFC We're 267. Perfect. Well, that might be the only one we may have agreement with. Um, I gave uh, honourable mention to uh, Davish Vili v uh, Marlon Moraes. Yeah, that, yeah. that was just mental for the near two rounds that it lasted. Um, that was Keith on refereeing duty as well, wasn't it? Uh, not sure. Pass. Pass. Quite possibly, because did Merab not do some sort of tweet saying, at least Keith let me carry on? Yeah. Or something like that. Same, there was one, um, the uh, Clay Guida fight. Uh, in the last UFC event where he looked like he was getting starched early doors and Keith let him stay in and then that was when Morab tweeted saying this is why I like he's the best referee 
Yeah. Yeah, and then the only other two I gave honourable mentions were Volko v Ortega, just just again for the chaos that looked like Ortega may get the finish before ultimately just getting ground out. Um, and then Reyes v Jury uh, Prashiva, because again, that was a, a, a mental whilst it lasted. But I, I gave it to Jan v Sandhagen just on the basis that it was, it was such a good back and forth battle. Pontinibio Baeza would have been my other honourable mention if I was going to, but I was pretty set on Jan Sandhagen. I thought mm-hmm. the, the level at, at which it was being fought. Um, yeah. Usually I'm very hesitant to give my fight of the year to one that doesn't end in a stoppage because I said yeah. before, if I'm going to go back and watch a fight, I like a conclusive ending. Yeah. But this, I thought the scorecards were harsh, so I'm pretty sure like two of them only gave Sandhagen one round. Um, and I thought the level throughout, even when Jan was winning some of the latter rounds conclusively, it wasn't really that Sandhagen had, had dropped his level. It was just that Jan had somehow just gone up slightly higher. They were yeah. both just insane throughout. Yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. What's your knockout of the year? Um, God, again, another really hard one. Um, I ended up landing on Sandhagen v Edgar. <laughs> oh, I did the same one as well. Oh, Christ. Just the one hit. The guy is absolutely flattened. Um, that was... Stiff as a board. Oh, ridiculous. Um... I suppose the a lot of people will probably pick again Reyes v Pasheva for the yeah, for the spinning yeah. elbow, um, and then one that maybe goes slightly under the radar, and you'll hate this one will be Blades v Lewis. No, I've got I've got that down as well. Oh, okay, where he just absolutely stiffened him with that uppercut. Um, I do like Ikeo where there's no need for a follow follow up shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is something more magical about you know essentially they just look like they're standing over. It's like um, when it's somebody... like you're spinning wheel kick and then they still have to finish them off with ground strikes and it's like, oh, not quite but, the same as yeah, if they went out. To, to me, that's a TKO. It is different. There is a slight difference was... between a KO and a TKO. Like the Fiziev where he does the spinning kick and then follows up with a couple of shots. Compared to the one that... That's um, a TKO. Bahamondes put on uh, Rusko Roberts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought Sandegan just... There, it was so early in the fight as well, but the way it was, it was such a weird one that he's he's needing, but then he's like landed about twenty foot away from him, looked back, and he's just like, oh, he's slumped. It was just like L- such L- a bizarre. Yeah, Edgar was just totally gone, wasn't he? Lewis Blades is so frustrating because um, if the fight was rebooked tomorrow and you gave me ten grand and said the only you could only have this is uh, you have to put the bet on first, I would. Put that on Curtis Blades every single time <laughs> against Derek Lewis. Fair enough. And yet, still, that is just what Derek Lewis can do. Yeah. There was something about Curtis Blades did look. I think Lewis went for the uppercut early on, and he must have like clipped, even if it was just kind of brushed off, because he looked so freaked out for any shot he went for. Mm later and then this one it was almost like he didn't quite set it up it was like in his head he was like all right i'm gonna shoot on three two and then just went for it yeah and then yeah it just got caught but i think and yeah it was, it was a, afterward mile as well it was uh it was a lovely game plan from um from lewis because i think he was clearly looking for the uppercut knowing that that was going to be a shot that was going to be he there kept faking it didn't he it was like there's no way blades could be like i didn't know that was coming yeah, because he was yeah. almost jokingly like just flinging it out the middle. But it's almost that's almost like your um, like your repetition, isn't it? That right? Just remember the uppercut will be there, right? Okay, just yeah. throw it now and then, just to remind yourself that it's almost just finding your timing, isn't it? And it's half half a fake, half a find your range, isn't it? But um, yeah, it, it that was like a the way that Blades is still kind of he's almost still slightly hunched as he falls back. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was a scary KO. Even Masvidal was beautiful as well because that was yeah. really the one outcome nobody really put down. Yeah, I have also got that written down. Um, I suppose, yeah, like you say, it was a bit of a shock factor KO, wasn't it? Um, and, again, lovely setup, the way he sort of parries down Usman's left to deliver the right. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lovely in, KO. In Sandhagen Edgar, in Lewis Blades, 
and in Usman Masvidal, it is where they just go stiff. And so the way they fall just looks so much sweeter. And yeah. It just adds to the knockout value. Whereas yeah. um, the um, jury against Don Reyes, like, Reyes genuinely looks dead. Like, mm. if they just cut the broadcast and you told me he was done for then, like, you would just assume that, that was the truth because the way he went yeah. back was just horrific. And then, um, but this was Roberts. Just any time you see some kind of spinning shit, it's like, yeah, you can't yeah. see this anywhere else in the world. Yeah, that's true. Um, submission of the year. Um, I don't think we had as many freaky ones this year as we've had in previous years. No, no. I kind of went for one unusual one and one just because of who it was against, how it happened. Is that Mooney's Jacare or are you on the... Um, no, I'm on... Yeah, so I did Hernandez v. Rodolfo Vieira. I mean, looking at Vieira, I think any blue bat or above probably could have submitted him how tired he was. But it was just the way that this guy, he's been touted as this is like one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners ever to come into world the UFC. His nickname, I think, is even like the Black Belt Hunter or something like that. Um, and then, yeah, he gets he gets submitted. It was just crazy. Um, I, I went... The Muniz against Jacare. Jacare being yeah, one of my was... favourites in the UFC. The snap, as much as it's not nice for Jacare, I quite like the look, I'm not giving you the satisfaction of me tapping. <laughs> you know, I'm not giving you the satisfaction of me tapping here. And just how savage it was. Um, yeah. The way yeah. he was just walking around with his arm just bent out of place afterwards. Yeah, yeah, that was mental. Um, the other one I gave a on. honourable mention for was. Um, Alonzo Menafield for the Von Flu joke just because okay. it was quite refreshing not to see somebody like OSP do it um, something we don't see very often I suppose we see a little bit more of it now but I thought that was an honourable mention from uh, UFC 260 yeah the other one I had down was um, Luke putting the darts on Woodley yeah I did enjoy that that was that was that was a good short fight that had a bit of a for Woodley <laughs> yeah it has Fuck out of the year. Um, he's lucky we're uh, just limiting it to uh, MMA. Um, event of the year. I thought this was narrowed down to two, and it was essentially take your pick between them. I narrowed it down to UFC uh, 261 and UFC 268. Go on. Go on. So UFC 261. I'm just getting the full card. I kind of went back through some of the events and I was sort of struggling this year. There wasn't like a, so, a, a, a genuinely amazing event that you're like, Christ, I, I, I would I, go this, back and watch that one, tomorrow. This, this, um, so UFC 261 was Usman Masvidal 2. Yeah. Um, you had uh, Anthony Smith and Jimmy Cruton, the whole uh, leg. Well, it was like the dead. two, it's like the two weirdest leg injuries. They were back to back fights, weren't they? It was Chris Weidman going after. Then you yeah. did have Shevchenko and unfortunately. But then you yeah. had Nunes slumping uh, Zhang Weili. Um, and then you had Usman uh, slumping Masvidal. So I thought that was pretty huge. And then UFC yeah. 268. Yeah, something um, about that card just feels wrong because we essentially had two fights cut short because of injury. And that was well, like, that's what I mean. It's like, is it how great is it if you've got a guy that lasted like two strikes because he broke his leg and another guy that, well, yeah didn't look good either because his leg was just shot to bits 268 um, we started with uh, three decisions back to back to back then we had Chris Barnett the weirdest shaped guy in the UFC <laughs> the spinning wheel <laughs> kick on Jean Blanc yeah, yeah that um, was enjoyable Ian Gary then getting peppered by Jordan Williams and then did his McGregor tribute act yeah um, Dini Marmov just butchering Edmund Shabazian the Chris Curtis comeback against Phil Hawes, Bobby Green styling on Iowa Quinter, Alex Pereira making his debut in the UFC, then getting a flying knee knockout. Yeah. Then the main card, Gaethje Chandler, Burgos Quarantillo, which I still feel so sorry for those two having to follow Gaethje Chandler. Yeah. Um, Marlon Vera front kicking Frankie Edgar, which I know you'd rather forget. Um, Nama Yunus. Sneaking past Zhang Weili, still not convinced about that decision. And then Usman Covington, where you thought that was yeah. done in the second round, and then Covington yeah. uh, 
starts turning it around. So that would be my pick. Uh, that was that was bottom. that was my pick. Yeah, that was the one I landed on. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Some some other years you just have that one event where you're like, no, that's absolutely the event of the year. This year there was a lot of okay events, not fantastic. Was was I mine. think two sixty eight is one of the best events I've ever seen. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's like a. I was just going back through and I was just flicking through the cards and I was like, that was okay, that was okay. I suppose it is difficult when you you kind of enjoy them more in the moment than when you look back. Um, sort of, you know, six, nine, however many months later. Um, I think the Covington v Usman two, so that the card that we have landed on, yeah, was slightly tainted because I actually got to New York on the Monday, yeah. two days after they fought. So that kind of annoyed me in the sense that well, this, that um, card was also supposed to have Rockhold Strickland on it. It was supposed yeah. to have uh, Durandami against um, Irene Aldana on there as well. Yeah, and yeah. Something something that didn't get much mention um, during this week was um, Vicente Luque was the uh, backup fighter for Usman Covington and missed weight while weighing in <laughs> as the backup fighter by um, two and a half pounds. Right. So I've always wondered how motivated you can be to, to weigh in there. And I guess that kind of... Uh, I suppose the only one I've ever really seen, I've only ever really ever seen take to the scale was, was Chandler. But I think he did it as like, uh, well, I'm in the UFC now, so I'll come, I'll make weight, I'll show. I'm, I'm ready yeah, to go. Yeah, um, Leon Edwards declined it. And so it went to... Um, no, it wouldn't have been um, Leon Edwards. Someone declined it. Gaethje declined it. And so yeah. Chandler then stepped up. Yeah, okay. Leon, Leon Edwards declined to do it for the Usman Covington one. Yeah. Um, where are we? Okay. Um, upset of the year. Is anything coming close to Peña against Nunes? I suppose the only other honourable mention was probably the Hernandez Vieira one yeah, on fair, sort yeah. of the, the strict betting line. Um, because I think Vieira was like a huge, huge favourite to, to get the win. But I think, you know, looking back, Peña v Nunes is probably the, the most logical shelf. You know, I nearly did for um, your birthday this year, but I genuinely, with, with no disrespect, didn't know if you'd recognise who it was. Um, do you remember that Shanna Dobson who had the biggest upset yeah, in UFC yeah, yeah, history yeah. and cost us both a bet? She does those cameos. Oh, and I was going to get her to do you a birthday message. I think it, she charges about a tenner for it. As long as she keeps shouting, underdog. I don't know. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you might not recognise who she was. I was going to tell her that you'd backed against her and get her to do your birthday <laughs> message. The only, um, I've only seen one of those videos for somebody and uh, anybody outside of the UK will probably not know who this is, but I saw somebody had paid Razor Ruddock to do one. Christ. Um, this is actually somebody I know. Oh, my God. It, it was as rough as you can imagine it would be. Um, yeah. Well, him. Chael, uh... Chael does them. And I know we're, we're all aware of his situation at the moment. Um someone tweeted one that he's done for them and right. he did it today and he starts it and he's like um sorry this is a couple of days late um i do have a pretty good excuse as i'm sure you're aware um <laughs> and then just goes into it saying uh happy birthday um enjoy the day because um tomorrow is only going to be worse so uh right. most of it so yeah it's a cheerful thought Chael also charges about 200 quid more than Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine he's not the cheapest. Um, Beatdown of the year. I've got three contenders here. I'll give you my contenders and you tell me if there's any more you'd add and uh, if I've picked any of the ones that you would have here. Okay. You mentioned it for fight of the year. Volkanovski versus Ortega would be right near the top of my list. Ortega, okay. uh, I'm surprised he could pull himself up to walk after the beating he took in that fight. Aside yeah. from, I think, two moments, it, it, it was a bad night for him. Yeah. Um, O'Malley against Moutinho, three-round fight, so probably less damage taken, but the guy yeah. was a walking zombie by the end of it. And Holloway against Cater, I think okay. a clip of Dana, and he's telling like all of the commission involved don't even think about trying to make him do any media or anything. That guy is going straight into the back of an ambulance. That's This is the kind of fight where he walks out and then a day later I get told this guy's in a coma 
Um, and this is while the fifth round's going on and he's still just getting battered. Um, yeah. So, so that would probably be my number one. I've got two others written down. Yeah. So I did, um, just on a pure basis of numbers, Garvey Lewis. He outstruck him 112 yeah. to 16. Um, and then the one that really sticks in my head when I look back from the year is uh, Zaleski de Santos v. Benoit Saint-Denis yeah. from oh, UFC oh 267. Yeah. That was, that was uh, I was literally just waiting to go out um, and waiting for somebody to come and pick me up. And just in the midst of when he getting absolutely hammered against the cage, they pulled up. So I loaded it up on my change my pick actually. I loaded it up on my phone to watch it. So I watched like the part of the beatdown twice. So I don't know if it feels like that resonates in my head more. But then he looked alright by the end of the fight, didn't he? Wow, it was a really good. He may even have won the third round. He only won it because the Santos had a point deducted for a uh, low blow. So not only did he get battered, (laughs) the Santos hit him that badly low that he got a point deducted. Yeah. Um, that was my absolute pick mad. for um, for for the beatdown of the year. That was like I couldn't believe the ref hadn't jumped in. It was some ref Russian did, ref that, that I don't think we've seen since. They didn't just um, remove him from the fights later on the card. They removed him from the arena. <laughs> yeah, it, it was you bad. Can't he, even he, be he was, in here. We don't want to see you. Yeah, he was. Yeah, they were some big, big shots. Um, robbery of the year. Um, now there's a number of kind of lesser ones here. Me personally, I, I felt like um, like Whaley Rose was, but it was razor thin when when you look back. And mm-hmm. um, and TJ infuriated me because there was rounds that went to TJ for just walking forwards. Yeah. I couldn't believe it, and I think he got like round five on all three judges' cards, which got him the win. Yeah, and he barely landed a strike. Um, the one that most people pick for this and is worth, if you can remember back, and that was um, Macy Barber getting a split decision win over yes. Brandon Maverick. Yeah, that, that's what I had written down. That is actually the pick I had. Um, it was like, you could even make other, a case. The only other thing I had written down, which is it's not technically a robbery, was Jan B. Sterling. That I f- uh, yeah, no. The, just, just the like... The pure frustration that Yarm was definitely, it was only heading one way. That he was starting to pick the pace up as Sterling looked to be wilting slightly. But it's not technically a robbery because I get the reasons as to why he was just, is why he was DQ'd. I totally get that. Yeah, Barber v Maverick was the one that I, um, was the one that I picked. I just, honestly, I just can't believe that she got the nod. It was like, uh, um, on what basis? You know, some of them, some of them you think, oh, I'm not too sure how he won that, but I can kind of get a bit of logic. That one just baffles me. Um, uh, let down of the year, and so I left this open to interpretation. I've got two here. Mm-hmm. I've first got one. two as well. Go on. Go on, give me your first one. John Jones not fighting at all. Okay, okay so he has, he's been in a bit of trouble, um, and I guess he's still claiming he's going to fight a heavyweight, but Still, I just I think it is you know when we did our sort of fights to make in 2021 yeah. last year, I said oh, I'd love to see him against Ngannou or I'd love to see him against Dizzy. We haven't seen him at yeah, all. We haven't that. even seen him come back and beat Glover again, for example, or somebody. He's no. done nothing. I get, yeah, I get yeah. it. You know, but how many times we keep saying, oh, well, he's had his issues. Yeah, uh, just gets yeah, to a point where. He's meant to be one of the greatest fighters of all time. Arguably, is the greatest fighter of all time. At what point do you say this bloke is just taking the piss now? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, my first pick was Kevin Holland. Um, yeah, last year picked up the most wins in a single year in UFC history, and then he was zero and four this year. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it, admittedly, he he did. He started the year, didn't he, with a slightly higher opposition? He had uh, yeah. The Tory and he had Derek Brunson. Yes, was that, after? Um, that Brunson one was infuriating because every time he was on the feet, he looked like he could just take his soul at any moment, mm. <laughs> just backed up in a straight line. Um, what was your? Did you say you had another one as well? Yeah, again, I, I was sort of struggling to interpret this, but I suppose from a popular consensus, I bet a lot of people would say McGregor was probably a letdown for this year. We had the whole nice guy coming into the first Poirier fight. <laughs> he gets starched. 
we then had the worst version of him we've probably ever seen. And then he was going to get starched and then still claims he was winning the fight. Just, it was, yeah, it was just disappointing all around for, for, I think it's, it's more because of what, you know, I'm, I was, I'm off the McGregor train, have been for a few years, but there's something about the event when he's in a fight where you think he might lose. We're able to cheer for the other guy that, that people text you about MMA that don't normally text you about MMA. You see people tweeting that don't normally tweet. Kind of similar to how we got Jorge for a certain extent uh, in the lead-up to the first Masvidal fight. Uh, sorry, Jorge in the f- lead-up to the first Uber yeah. fight. Um, yeah, I just thought it was very disappointing that we got... We didn't even get an enjoyable amount of sort of content from McGregor or soundbites. He was just like this overly nice guy first time round, and then just, just cringily bad the second time round. Um, yeah, and somehow he's still ranked number nine in the world. My my other pick was um, Thiago Santos against Johnny Walker. Yeah, that um, that, that, that was one. I, I was going to write that down, but I wasn't quite sure how to interpret this question. Um, but yeah, that was one that promised so much and yet delivered so little. Yeah, uh, John Kavanaugh's managed to make um, Johnny Walker one of those boring guys in the UFC. <laughs> so, very impressive stuff. Um, round of the year, uh, I gave pretty single-handedly Gaethje Chandler round one. Yeah, that was um, that was one that probably could have mentioned earlier on when we said about fight of the year, but I guess it was probably more... It, impossible to sustain what they were sustaining, but for the first round, it was it was absolutely brilliant. I thought Chandler conceded the fight about halfway into round two um, when he started trying like the like gesturing, yeah, and, and sort um, of waving at the was, crown and waving his arms yeah, at the crowd going and stuff. Like, this is me avoiding fighting and also still looking like a warrior here, which he yeah, was. But he gets to a point where he's probably trying to win fight of the night as opposed to performance yeah. of the night. If that makes sense. Yeah, that that was the most. That first round is the most nervous I've been. I still the whole fight. To be fair, during mm. any fight this year, like I was genuinely sweating watching yeah. the fight. I was like sat forward, which is always a sign that it's a tense one. Yeah, and different rubbing my hands together. Yeah. Um, when we've given, or at least consideration to um, Usman for fighter of the year, Rose for. Steve yeah, there is the there is only one coach of the year. Yeah, Trevor Whitman. No, that's yeah. a scary guy. Yeah, uh, just as a ridiculous book of work, really. I mean, um, you see some of these bigger gyms that we maybe had a few years ago, a lot we had AKA that seemed to just be on a tear with, you know, Khabib, DC, um, yeah. Brockhold and, and so on. Um, we had um, Jackson Wink when they had Holly Holm and they had uh, John Jones and... yeah. So on and so forth, and sort of even further back than that, we had sort of Frasa Harby, who was sort of had you know GSP and whatnot, whatnot. What Trevor Whitman has done this year, when we actually had the event where it was like, right, this is actually Trevor Whitman night. Yeah. I can't ever really ever remember having anything like that before. Um, just to be yeah, cornered in three different two yeah. Just when when uh, you're yeah, having you, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. When you have three guys or three guys and girls that. Yeah. Are fighting at the absolute top of the divisions and they're all winning. It was just yeah. what, what an evening. I mean, legitimately, by the end of next year, if Gaethje gets the title, he could hold three champions for, um, you know, it's Usman, not like. Usman said he's, he's begging Ngannou to come down and join Whitman. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I just, he, he is just a brilliant coach and he seems like um, people just. They develop so fast under him, you know. The way upon which he's changed some of the fighters that he's had, just to be so, so good and so technical from what you would never expect those guys to be. You know, Usman's Usman looks way better than he did before when he was already good. You know, he's he's sort of transformed Gaethje into. I don't. You know, look at what Gaethje necessarily changes them. I think. um, I think the best thing about him is, and one of the biggest criticisms that um, Adam Booth gets in boxing is that he basically has a way that he teaches to fight and then mm. it's to effectively any fighter that joins him is how well they can adapt to the basically same style that David Hay had. Yeah. Um, when it 
comes to uh, Whitman, I, I think he's brilliant at acknowledging what you're good at and then getting the best out of that. And obviously, he develops around it. And so he acknowledges that, that if Usman's striking is better, that's only going to help. Yeah, I just think takedowns and when I just think he helps. He helps the risk management element of training in the sense that, like Gaethje was so reckless, but he he's found a way just to curb that slightly. Like I say, Usman, you know, back in his early days, he was a wrestler, but now he's he's a complete fighter. He just seems to be able just to mould these people or mould these fighters into what they. Not what they want to be, but what they need to be, if that makes sense. Do you think there's other trainers that if they got Gaethje, they would just try and make him tentative and really like hesitant rather than this is the way that we're going to handle the chaos rather than... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you some see people there's would say... freaky shots with like a grin on his face when like Gaethje's getting pieced up mm. and then he calms himself down, gets in the corner and gives him like phenomenal advice. Yeah, yeah. He is just a, a, a brilliant coach, and um, I suppose we we even see that by his sort of some of his color commentary that we get now and then when yeah. he's not actively involved, um, and we sort of get a little bit of his his insight into his mind when he's watching fights from a, a neutral perspective. Yeah, um, referee of the year is there anyone other than no nonsense Keith up for nomination? We just absolutely love seeing him, don't we? Yeah, I mean he's just absolutely brilliant. I know your thoughts on uh, analysts. So if you just give me, if if you're putting a UFC pay-per-view together, we'll say John Anik is... Uh, yeah. He, I don't know well, if you're going to take Fitzgerald over Anik, but... No, well, Anik, guys... Anik is my actual favourite guy to sort of have cage side because he seems to so, just like... He, he seems to just pitch things quite well in terms of he gets, a, he gets hyped up when he does, but at least he's still forming full sentences. Unlike yeah, so when we the, kind of get Rogan and, and DC when they're just shouting. So who are the two guys that you would have either side of John Alec? I don't know. It, it is tricky. I, I'm actually starting to get a bit of a softer spot for, for Felder. I don't mind he, you know, I love, when he's occasionally he's on. He's my favourite, to be honest. Yeah, I just think, again, I, I prefer a commentator who's a bit more level. He doesn't like... like we're, Our common criticism of, of Joe Rogan of the last couple of years is that he just shouts, you know. He's hurt, he's hurt when you're like, <laughs> he's not really. The best thing about Joe Rogan used to be that he used to sort of take you through. So when I was first starting to watch MMA, he was like, he would take you through step by step what was going on. Nowadays, it's like, he just seems to have totally lost the plot. Part of that is he doesn't need to teach you, talk you through wrestling when DC's there. He doesn't need to talk you through. No, I get that. No, I get that. I suppose when it was just him and Goldberg, it was slightly different. Yeah, but crushed. Um yeah, well, that, that was... moved on a lot there. He's been cut by Bellator now as well. Christ. That's, um... He's been replaced by that uh, Mauro Ronaldo. If you don't like shouting. Yeah, no, I don't think would, I know. would be a fan of him. I, I would go Felder and then, to be honest, any one of this thing or DC, I'm reasonably happy with. DC, t- the thing... I'll take DC over, over Bisping. Bisping. And the thing that Cruz pointed out isn't a new thing where they said he doesn't do his homework with DC, mm. and that can be frustrating. I, I don't know if you've watched any of the Contender series on... Um, I haven't, to be honest, no. Laura Sanko on there is brilliant for doing her homework, and there's been times when she's been partnered with DC, and she she does almost make a fool of him with the extent of the research that she's done. And the first yes. one she did, she came in in 24 hours' notice. And she was still offering more insight into, you know, he actually does always start fast. And I can tell you his last three, his last three fights, um, he was actually rocked in two of them because he came out trying to fight this quick. And it was just things like that. So yeah. he was like, oh, this is mental. It must be the UFC jitters. He's come out so fast fighting like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, no, I, I, like, get... I like Fowler and I, I don't mind Cormier. I prefer him to Bisping. Some of the stuff that's being said, like, he just seems to be totally way off the mark. Like, what was he saying? Can you remember when, I think we were speaking about this, and he said something like, well, if he wins this round, he might get a draw. I'm like, it's a three-round yeah. fight. Yeah. What on earth have you gone on about? I think Laura Sanka will get a UFC fight night um, within the next year. Okay. And I think, I, I think she'll get a pay-per-view slot by the end of next year because 
the level she seems to be at is really high. And I know some people um, just can't bear the thought of a woman commentating, which is a genuine thing. If you look at anything, um, any of the responses, whether it's football, whether it's uh, basketball or whatever it is. Mm. Um, but yeah, she's really good. Right now, yeah. I would, probably my team would be, I probably would still be DC, Felder and uh, Anik, but then I'm never yeah. unhappy to have Bisping there either. Do you yeah. think Cruz will get more gigs in next year? I suppose it depends on what she fights. Um, just just on the basis of... He's commentating and um, fighting previously. I, I don't know. Yeah, I just think it's hard to be in camp and... Then yeah. saying I'm going to be, you know, 200 miles away from from my gym, or you know, probably even further for some of these. I didn't know if the some whole of these thing of him being too dry. Whether the UFC are just toning him down a bit. Yeah, I, I yeah. It, well, we always go back to the Khabib v McGregor, don't yeah. we? When he's like, I think he's just trying that, to tire him out. <laughs> it's like he's bad. definitely not. I also think he is better when. Some of these big fights that you've seen, whether it's DC or whoever, just been getting carried away. Cruz would probably have been good in some of those aspects to calm yeah. things down a bit and explain yeah. what you're seeing. Because yeah. he is really good at saying he's doing this because this and he's yeah, doing that yeah. because of that. Um, I think the, the times people are tired of him is when it's probably us as European fans, when it's four o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. it's um, like, I don't know, uh, a light heavyweight fight because they do produce a lot of stinkers um, and it's just grappling up against the fence and Cruz isn't really offering much entertainment other than, you know, this is the most tiring part of MMA. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, I get what you mean. So I think you'll probably get more, but it's just whether they seem pretty set on the DC, Rogan, Anik trio for a big pay-per-view, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Keep Chiesa away from there. I'm still not a fan of his. And <laughs> I don't think he's got himself in the UFC's good books after the uh, Pena shenanigans. All right. Three fights you'd make in 2022. Um, give me your first one. My first one um, will be the easiest, I suppose, is Gaethje to fight for the lightweight title. I have a Gaethje fight down too, and I've got them kind of third on my list, almost not on my list because they're both quite unrealistic. But you tell me which one you'd rather see of the two of these. Okay. Gaethje stepping up to face Nate Diaz or Holloway stepping up to face Gaethje? Uh, if there's going to be a more realistic one, it's probably... Which would you rather Hollow- see? Or oh, Holloway. I think so that, combination hard, it? Is, that, that combination of his pressure and um, Holloway's output is just phenomenal. If Holloway yeah. steps back up to lightweight, I don't mess about. Just make that the first fight that you put there. Yeah, that would that would be that would be great. What about you? What else have you got down? Um, me and TK spoke about it um, the other week, and. Uh, Tied to Avassa against Derek Lewis. Um, yeah, that would be I good. You've got a very short window to make that when both are coming off a win. Um, Lewis, after the um, last fight, didn't seem like he's begging for a title shot, so no need to worry about that. He basically is worried about his bank account, so you've got yeah. that. It's a it's a fun it's a fun build up, and it may be a stinker or it may be two of the biggest guys in the UFC, two of the hardest hitters in the UFC, swinging leather. So, yeah, yeah I did have... for making that. Yeah, I, I did actually have one um, Nate Diaz fight written down. And that was against McGregor? Vicente, Vicente okay. Luque. Blimey. I think that gets peaked very quickly for Nate. But that would be brilliant. I think that would be good. Yeah, because um, Luque does tire out as well. I don't think Luque's ever catching a dart on Nate Diaz. Like no, he, that he seems to be one of his. <laughs> yeah, 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 but that seems to be one of his go-to finishes at the moment. Yeah, you know, or always has been. Um, he does have a very underrated ground game, but I don't but think he's two this year. He got one on um, Woodley. He got one on uh, Kiesa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But I think that would be that would be good fun. Um, probably never going to happen realistically, but I think that would be quite good. No, I also had down TJ Dillashaw against Jose Elder. 
Yeah, okay, yeah. Aldo seems to have had a bit of a resurgence, to be honest. Um, I'm surprised. I don't mind if you make that three rounds and just let them just go hell for leather for three rounds because the pace would be insane. Yeah. And Um, Aldo does look like anyone outside of the top two or three maybe in this case. mm Mm-hmm. Is he's going to beat them? I, I, who would you pick? Out of interest, if you had to put your money on the line now, Sam Hagen, Elder. Uh, oh god, that is tricky. Uh, how many rounds? Uh, uh three or five. Three, I definitely. I think Sam Hagen wins either way. To be honest, three, I definitely go for Elder. I, I think he's just too long. Is I fancy Elder to win two of the first three. Yeah. I fancy Sam Hagen maybe to. I don't know, it's so hard, isn't it? Sandhagen seems to be one of the criticisms of him recently is that he's lost the back-end round in five rounds, isn't he? But... You don't seem too enthused by Dillashiraldo. Would you rather see... Um... I don't know. No, it's not that I'm not. I just think, Christ, that just wasn't what I was expecting to say. Would you rather see Aldo against Dillashaw or Cruz? Uh, Dillashaw. I don't, I'm not a massive fan of watching Cruz these days. After the last one, I guess. Yeah. Um, do you have another for me? I actually don't, to be honest with you. I... Um... I was uh, caught a bit on the hop. I only oh, I, wrote down two. So I can, two. I can make it up for you. The other one I had down is um, it, it, it seems like the McGregor um, Diaz one isn't happening. It's, I don't mm-hmm. know if, which one doesn't want it. I, I think, and I think this is the fight they're going to come back with for Connor. Um, that's totally. McGregor against Dan Hooker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, not in love with that, if I'm honest. Usually. When someone like McGregor is reeling off like three, four names, usually you look for the one that looks a bit standoutish in there, like they shouldn't be in there, and that's probably there's probably a reason for that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I've seen him mention Hooker a few times now. I think he's no nonsense, as we've uh, mentioned from someone else earlier in the uh, <laughs> podcast. But I, I, I think that's the kind of fight both could get up for. I think. In McGregor's eyes, Hooker's vulnerable enough for him. Um, yeah. I don't think Hooker's going to come out and shoot takedowns, or if he if he does, I don't think his takedowns are good enough um, to take McGregor down. No. Um, the striking style for the two of them, I think, would be a lot of fun for as long as it lasts. So yeah, yeah, that would be fairly. Yeah, I can see where you're going. Hooker fight against Poirier and Felder, and it's like this guy is going to give you a war if you want to have one with him. So yeah, that's fair. So yeah, th- those those would be. Uh, Two of Asa Lewis, um, Dillashaw Aldo, and then uh, McGregor Hooker, whereas the ones that get you are kind of just fantasy fights for me. Fire and Scott, yeah. I, I, if I take being a UFC matchmaker in any form, but even if they just say you can't match any other fights than the Gaethje fights, I'm like, oh, no worry. Oh, that's still a great job for me. Yeah, no, that would, that would be good fun. And you um, know, you're probably always guaranteed to seem like a good guy because he's always going to make it exciting. Yeah, um, ones to watch for next year. I don't know how many you have here. I've got three. I've got two, okay, yeah. two males, one female. So I've got sort of same, same as same as last year. Really, one small guy, one bigger guy, one woman. I didn't do a woman last year, but give um, me your um, female one to watch for next uh, year. Manon Fariot from France. Okay. Uh, eight on one in the UFC, booked to face Jessica Wright, UFC two seventy two. Uh, seems to be like she carries a bit more power than some of the other people that we watch uh, in the female divisions. Really crisp Muay Thai. Um, made a debut really early on a card and just came out and just obliterated the woman, I think, in the second round. Um, so she will be my my female to watch for the year ahead. I've got some questions to be answered about her. So I'm holding back. A little bit. Um, it was. I just think her... Jess Cry might be perfect for her. Jess Cry tends to get into some really bizarre yeah. wars. Doesn't doesn't always hit with the most power, albeit does have nice sort of you know knees, elbows, whatnot. But I just think unless until we see Ferriot in against a really good grappler, we, we we're not worried about that for the moment. But I think striking wise, she matches up quite nicely with Jess Cry, who yeah. seems to get hit quite a lot. It was her last her last fight where I thought she could have really put her foot on the gas and she like she didn't have the pop mm-hmm. um to go out there, which I know goes against her previous two UFC fights, but yeah. she just kept doing this front kick down the middle and I was like, I want a bit more from you here. Yeah. Um, 
but just with only nine MMA fights yeah, to her name, she definitely and the good. fact you know, and the fact that her first loss was a a split to Leia McCourt, I think, but she's won everything else since. Yeah, you know, um, and sort of you know mixtures between KO's decisions, and so yeah. I'm not not overly worried. Um, but well, I, I say you know about her inability to grapple. I suppose she did fight um, the woman she fought last time. Um, yeah, Maya Buenasilva. Yeah, does have some submissions on her record, I suppose. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, the one I had done, whether it's recently biased or not, um, was Aaron Blanchfield um, just set okay. a record for most takedowns in one fight um, yeah. in the uh, women's division against Brandon Maverick, two and zero in the UFC. Just very, very young rare as well to see that. Yeah, twenty two and that level of wrestling, and you saw the way um, Tatiana Suarez yeah. has been able to dominate just because of her wrestling. Yeah. And so if you're that young and you've got that there, um, obviously a good look. Um, any, so give me um, one of your other two. I'll go for the smaller fighter of the two first. A guy that we both have been quite impressed with since uh, his debut, Tapura, Ilya Tapura. Yeah, I've got him there um, as well. 11-0, uh, obviously really probably his toughest contest to date coming up at UFC yeah, 270. Yeah, that will be a great fight. And I suppose... Another guy who's undefeated. I think he's like 14, 15 and 0. Whoever comes out of that could really make a charge at the division in the next 12 months, I think. Um, but yeah. yeah, I've gone for Tapora. He, he's just looked very good. He took absolutely no nonsense from um, Ryan Hall. Ryan just Hall. obliterated him, really. Um, I think I actually backed against Tapora when he made his debut because I was like, mm, Spanish mixed martial artist. I don't know many of them. Uh, and he just looked, he, he looked brilliant. Um, yeah, disappointing. Only fought once this year. Yeah, I mean, he's only, he's only 24, so he's still got age on his side. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a fairly easy decision when he made his UFC debut against, um, oh, what's the guy's name? Uh, Zalal. Yeah. Uh, then he beat, um, yes, then he beat Damon Jackson, KO'd him, and then obviously KO'd Ryan Hall. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, he may have only fought once this year, but I suppose his you know, UFC debut was only back in 2020, was it, I think? Maybe so, summer twenty twenty. So I suppose he's had, you know he's had three fights in the last eighteen months. So it's not like he's yeah. been inactive. No, no. So um, you said obviously it's a bigger guy um, for your last one. Mine's a smaller guy. So if I go first, uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, Jeffrey Molina is um, who I've taken two and zero in the UFC. Earned his UFC debut. Came through the contender series. He's got um, power for the division at uh, flyweight. Yep. Trained by James Krause, who I always worry when I'm backing against one of his fighters because you can batter him in the first round and he just seems to know what to say. Yeah. Um, he just seems to be getting better and better. Um, you can go at the rankings very quickly at these smaller weights. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he, he's just a guy. The first time I saw him was um, against, uh, I can't pronounce the guy's name. But he dogged it out in the third round, um, yep. and then he kind of caught the guy, um, Cole, not Cole, caught the guy um, like right in the dying seconds to close out the win. Yeah, and that I've just was, kind of looked um, at him ever since. It's like a, it's like a O G, Rebecca or something like that. It's like oh, Rebecca. I thought it was Colangora, Colangora or something like that. Yeah, it's just something, it's something like that. Maybe not. Um, that might not be it. I'm not sure. But yeah, he he's a guy who I've got my eye on. Who I've yeah, there was name on a fight card. I'll be looking forward to it. Yeah, there was one of the smaller guy that I was tempted to put down, but didn't quite make the cut, and that was um, Adrian Yanaz. Yeah. Um. Just just again putting together a nice body of work. Um. Very close decision against Davy Grant last time. TKO'd Randa Costa. KO'd um Gustavo Lopez. That that was like his yeah, last was great, great performances, but. Um, seems like he's got good hands. Um, he's on a nice winning streak. I think it might be sort of eight or nine um, wins in a row. He was one guy that I was sort of toying with saying, but Tapura yeah. just just pipped him. Yeah. And then who um, is your last guy to close out the show? I think he may well be a logical guy to start heading towards the title at light heavyweight, and that is Ankalaev. Um, he's seven and zero since losing his debut, and he fights uh, Thiago Santos in March. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he lost his debut to 
uh, Hammerby got beat by now, but not not somebody that you're like, Christ, that's a that looks like a terrible loss. Um, you know, being your USC debut, you're always you're always a little bit sort of more forgiving. Um, that was his only ever loss. He lost to Paul Cray. Well, you know, he got yeah, submitted yeah. with literally a second to go in yeah, the fight. That was awful. Um, so not not sort of kind of come forgiving for that. It wasn't like it was a you know a sort of a no hope that he got beat by. No, um, he had those two weird fights against Uton. Iron Kutalaba. Yeah, yeah. Well, the first fight was weird, and he just absolutely starched him the second time. Um, he's then beat Krylov and Uzdemir, both by decision. Um, so, you know, so he's knocking off some of the older heads in the division. It's a division that really looks like it needs somebody to sort of go through the ranks a little bit. I think he's rated sort of six or seven at the moment. Mm. Um, and I could see him sort of going well uh, in the next next year or so. So that wraps us up. Just one last question. Um does McGregor get a win in 2022? Uh, if he fights, yes, because they're fighting against somebody he should win against, yeah. in my opinion. Well, yeah. just about wraps us up. Um, so thank you again for listening to another edition of Protect Your Neck. We'll be back when that will be, I can't tell you, but uh, keep an eye out on the uh, podcast feed and uh, it'll be there. So thank you again. Adios.